Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm Pete Mazzetti. My guest this evening is Dan Meany from the Connecticut Water Company. Dan, welcome. How are you? Thank you, Pete. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming down. Thanks for coming down. So, Dan, maybe can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been with the water company? Sure. Uh, I'm in communications at Connecticut Water Company. I'm a 28-year employee, uh, and my career has evolved as the company has evolved. We were a much smaller company when I started back in 1994, and now we've grown. We now serve customers in 60 towns across the state of Connecticut. And it's a multifaceted job. As you can imagine, we communicate with customers. We communicate with public op opinion leaders, town leaders, town officials. We also communicate with regulators. And we are also an investor-owned company. So we have shareholders to communicate with as well. Oh, you guys are, I didn't know you were an investor-owned company. Yes, we are. Oh, wow. Pretty. Pretty interesting. So you guys probably have a board of directors to report to. We do. We have a Connecticut board of directors. We're based in Clinton. We yeah. have a board of directors that helps to determine our business strategy as well as our capital budgets, how much mm -hmm. we're going to invest in our drinking water systems. And they keep a nice local eye on the Connecticut operations and keep the decision making right here in Connecticut. Absolutely. And now as far as when the pandemic started to where we are now, is everybody working remotely or is everybody back in the office? Yeah, that was quite a shock for everybody. I remember <laughs> we started in March, I think it was March 12th. Uh, yep. We have the ability to work remotely. And an email came out and said, you know, we're going to try working, everybody working remotely the next day on Friday. All right. And we'll see how that goes. And it went well enough that they said, you know what, don't come back. We stayed out. So the office people, people based in the office, yep. were out of the office. We didn't really start coming back regularly until this summer. Oh, okay. One or two days a week. The people in the field who are out there at our well fields and checking water samples and working in customers' homes. They had a very brief pause while we developed some procedures and policies to keep our employees and customers safe when COVID was spreading. And so they were out of the, uh, not working in the field for maybe a week or two. And then they went back on a very limited basis with those protocols and procedures in place to protect public health and to protect employee health. So they've been at it pretty much nonstop. Absolutely, absolutely. Now let's talk about the 2022 drought and request for conservation. Sure. Uh, 2022 has been uh, an interesting year in terms of uh, some areas of the state of Connecticut have seen a considerable amount of rainfall and other areas have not. And when you talk about water systems in Connecticut, our water systems is Connecticut Water Company. Right. I mentioned we serve 60 towns. Part of that 60 town is we have more than 60 different water systems. So unlike larger utilities that may serve a large metropolitan area, greater New Haven or greater Hartford, we have smaller systems. The system that serves the Connecticut shoreline, we call our Guilford system, and that okay. serves customers from Guilford over to Old Saybrook. All right. We have two or three more systems in Old Lyme. We have a bunch of systems up in northern Connecticut and in the Naugatuck area each with its own source of supply or sources of supply and each with its own tr treatment and distribution system. So we may see some areas of the state where we have adequate water supplies and we're not as interested or encouraging conservation as much as we are along the shoreline. This year it's been dry. Yep. We have uh, this part of the Connecticut is served by our Kelsey Town and Killingworth Reservoirs in Killingworth and Clinton. Mm -hmm. And we also have groundwater sources and we have seen a considerable increase in water usage in a typical year during the summertime, demand goes up 30% just because of warm weather. Right. When you combine that with a hot, dry summer mm -hmm. and also a seasonal population along the Connecticut shoreline, especially the you know, beautiful beach communities here, Absolutely. you see people who necessarily don't pay the water bill. They don't get our messages about conservation, so they don't have that incentive or the wherewithal to understand a conservation message when it comes in. Absolutely. So that creates a, a bit of an increased challenge here along the Connecticut shoreline. 
Now, as far as the once you once the water once you turn on the tap to get to get a drink or make dinner, the water actually comes from one of the local reservoirs, correct? Yeah, a good portion of it comes from the reservoirs and it's treated at our William McKenzie treatment plant in Clinton. Okay. But we also have groundwater sources. We have wells in right. Guilford and Madison and Clinton and Westbrook and Old Saybrook towards that end of the wood. So it's a balance Okay. a lot of times. It's not exclusively surface water and it's not exclusively what we call groundwater. Right. And that's one of the operational flexibilities we have is when things start to get really dry in the reservoir, we can lean a little more on the groundwater sources to help keep that supply going. Unfortunately for groundwater, it does take longer to recharge and right. it's not as easy to see the level. When you drive by a reservoir or a lake, you can see how the water line is receded. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, we've got a drought. <laughs> Absolutely. When it's groundwater, it's harder to see that and it takes longer for those to recharge. So we are mindful of what we take because whether it's out of a reservoir or groundwater, it's still coming from the same place and it's, it only gets replenished when it rains or there's snow. So we need to preserve that water supply during dry periods. Absolutely. And I know some, I know some, if, if like if it's raining somewhere in the state of Connecticut, it's not raining on the shoreline. It's like, it's raining on, it's raining up in the Northwest Hills. Oh, what about down here where it's never going to rain again? Yeah. And that's one of those dry bands that we've <laughs> right. seen set up this summer as we, yeah. uh, you know, if you live in Northern Connecticut, you may have gotten a good brainstorm for four or five inches over the past, you know, few weeks and in the shoreline. You may not have seen that much. Right. And even then, when the ground gets so hard and dry from a drought, mm -hmm. it runs off quickly, which helps the reservoir supplies, but it doesn't do much to help the groundwater supply. It's really those good, sustained, steady rains that exactly. go on for a couple of days or every few days exactly. that we really need. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, as far as water conservation goes, what can people do to conserve water? The most immediate thing, and because we see that big spike in water usage during the summer, it's related to outdoor lawn watering irrigation. Mm -hmm. So to the extent people can let the lawn go and say, okay, we're into September now. A brown lawn is not a bad thing. I know in my yard <laughs> personally, the crabgrass flourishes no matter how much water there is. It mm -hmm. really stands out. So it's okay to let the lawn go brown. It will come back when the rainfall comes back. As we continue in this dry period, sure. it's not a great time to start a new lawn. If you're looking to reseed or put in a new lawn, maybe you hold off on that a little bit till the precipitation comes back and we have more regular rainfall. And then everybody can do things in the house. Right. Don't let the water run when you're brushing your teeth. Take shorter showers. You know, make a f efficient use of the water you have. Stretch it. And Absolutely. And we're not looking for every customer to do a bunch. It's even if we all do a little thing. Right. Take little steps. It'll add up to a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, where the water comes from for the Connecticut Water Company is a mix of groundwater and reservoir water. We talked about that. And how it's used in residential, commercial, the municipality. Let's talk about how, it, again, how it's used, maybe getting into a little bit more detail. Yeah, it's the, the same water mains that bring water to a residential customer's mm -hmm. house are all the same, also the same water mains that bring water to businesses, okay. to industry, and it's also the same water main that have fire hydrants on them. Right. And so that is one of the things that we need to make sure we maintain as we talk about the drought and the need to maintain these water supplies is because people need them for critical purposes. Right. You know, domestic use, uh, sanitation, toilet flushing, cooking, drinking, those are the highest level priorities. Also keeping businesses open. If you've got a, a process that needs water, you want to, we want to make sure those businesses can stay in place. And that's why we ask people to cut back on areas where it's not 
as essential, but essentially it's the same water main and it's the same water that serves all of our customers along the Connecticut shoreline and in other parts of the state, depending on the water system they're in. Absolutely, and I'm sure, I'm sure during the time now, it's probably pretty critical to people. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and again, it's one of those things that you, you don't want to be crying wolf about the drought right. and how dry exactly. it has been. Right. On the other hand, we don't know when we're going to get that normal precipitation. And, and I look back through our records. We had another drought in 2016 where we were getting dry into no October and November. And the typical rain cycle, the typical cycle for a drinking water reservoir yep. is it, you know, it starts full in the spring. Mm -hmm. It gets drawn down as you go through the summers. People use the water. We're also mindful of storms. When you get, uh, you know, tropical storms, hurricanes that have the potential to dump inches and inches of rain, yeah. we need to make sure that there's room in the reservoirs for that rain. So we try to, to manage those levels accordingly. But once you get to this time of the year, it's time for the reservoirs to start filling up. And if they don't, if we start getting into the winter and spring and we haven't seen normal precipitation, then you're really starting behind. And you can't just, a water company can't turn on the tap and fill up the reservoir. No. It's got to come from above. It's got, it's got to come from other nature. Yeah, absolutely. She's got to do her job and rain for a couple of days and be yeah. some, some, some substantial rain. Exactly. So preserving that water supply now and keeping water in the tanks, which is in our storage tanks, is what we need for public fire protection and also to make sure we've got adequate supplies for those essential uses. Absolutely, absolutely. And it sounds pretty, pretty complex, but very interesting as well. Yeah, we're fortunate. We've got a good team of licensed and certified professionals, people who are really committed to drinking water, they know drinking water, they know how to operate our systems, we have some operational flexibility because of the investments we've made over the years that okay. we can use a groundwater and a surface water, or we've interconnected a couple of systems so we can move water through the area. As one of my former bosses used to say, it's a simple business, but it isn't easy. Exactly. Yes. Now, what are some of the investments that you guys have made? Uh, we make water main investments all the time. Okay. Uh, one of our, we have a, a $60 million capital budget in Connecticut every year, roughly, give or take mm -hmm. a, few, a few million here or there. <laughs> About half of that goes to replace aging water main. Okay. Water main that's been in service since the late 1800s or early 1900s, or even a lot of our systems were built right after World War II. Oh, wow. Those systems are now getting to be 70, 80 years old. And so we're trying to stick on a life cycle where we're, we're, we are replacing water main, 1% of our water main every year, which means it'll take 100 years yeah. to replace our water main. And, and what a lot of people don't really appreciate is the cost of installing a, a water main. To install a foot of water main mm -hmm. is about 150 to $200 because of the excavation that's required, the work that goes into it, the material. So it's, it's an expensive proposition. We're doing a water main replacement project in Middlebury, okay, it's about a, a little over a mile. It's a one and a half million dollar project wow. to replace that water main. And we've done some water main improvement projects in Clinton. Yeah, we've had some historical problems, issues with uh, discolored water from manganese, from uh, well water. Okay, it's a natural occurring sediment mineral in the water, but it can turn water brown and kind of give it that uh, almost rusty appearance. Okay. And you can treat the water, and we've treated it, so that's not coming into the water mains anymore, but it has coated the water mains over the period of decades, oh going back years and years and years. And the only way to truly address that sometimes is to put new water main in. Yeah, take, down, take out the old, put in the new. And yeah, and some, sure. sometimes the water main, just uh, Glenwood Road, we did a big project a couple of years ago. Yeah. That was a 1900-ish era pipe, and it was a major pipe between the treatment plant and our distribution system that had to be replaced. 
Absolutely. So that was another critical piece of infrastructure that we invested in to make sure that we can reliably provide safe and clean drinking water. Absolutely. Dan, would you mind sticking around for another segment? Sure, absolutely. All right, Happy we'll to. be right back. Scammers know that people in the midst of moving don't always have time to do the necessary research. Watch out for deals that are too good to be true. If the price seems much better than elsewhere, it may be a scam. Search online for the listing, scammer's email address or phone number. If you find the same ad listed in other cities, that's a huge red flag. And see the property in person. If you can't, ask someone you trust to go and confirm that it is what was advertised. Don't pay a stranger with cash transfer apps to secure an apartment or pay a deposit. Only use these apps with people you know. For more tips, visit BBB.org. Community TV. Your neighborhood TV. Publicly funded and a reliable partner for cable companies nationwide. It provides transparent coverage of local and state government, education, and public programming. A digital town green that can be watched anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Watch us on today's high-tech distribution methods. Community TV in Connecticut. Local. Unfiltered. Reliable. And, and yours. Absolutely. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Rossetti Show. I'm Pete Rossetti, sitting here with Dan Meaning from Connecticut Water. Dan, welcome back. Thank you, Pete. Thanks, Dan. So, Dan, we were talking a little bit about, in the first segment, just a general overview of the water company. Let's open up this segment, and what I want to know is, how do you guys bill? What's the billing structure for when you're a resident, when the mailbox opens, and, hey, there's a bill from the water company? Yeah, uh, we bill quarterly for okay. most of our, the vast majority of our residential customers get a bill for 90 days mm -hmm. and that bill is for the past 90 days. So you're always paying for water that's been used. Okay. We have water meters in just about every customer home that we serve. And typically there's a remote reading device on the outside of the home. So the meter readers will come, they'll tap the device, get mm -hmm. the meter reading in the device and then it goes to our billing system. They'll calculate how much water was used and bill on a per, per gallon basis. There's a fixed basic service charge okay. that appears on the bill and that is to cover the cost of the infrastructure and the billing system and the equipment and that is the, a flat rate regardless how much water you use. Right. And then there's a consumption charge and that's the actual water usage. How much water did Pete Massetti use in a quarter? Exactly. You're gonna be, that's gonna be multiplied by a rate and then that's gonna be what your bill is for the quarter. Wow. And you guys, you guys, you, like you said, you guys bill every quarter. So. We bill every quarter. Some of our larger customers, residential, uh, commercial, industrial customers, they may get billed monthly. Okay. So it varies. Okay. Now, as far as how is the water treated and dis distributed? Sure. Uh, surface water from our reservoirs goes into a treatment plant. We have our McKenzie treatment plant in Clinton. It was built in the early 80s. Okay. Uh, initially, that is treated with some uh, alum is added to help the particles, the dirty particles in the water stick together. So they sink to the bottom. They kind of settle out okay. through the clarification process. Sure. We add chlorine to make sure there's no bacteria in the water. And it's also then run through a uh, filter, a bed of about six foot deep of granular activated carbon, wow. which is a very effective filter media, helps take care of some of that unpleasant taste or odor that can sometimes be associated with surface water so mm -hmm. that the water is not only treated of most of the impurities or all the impurities, but yeah. it also helps improve the taste. Groundwater typically requires less treatment. That is pumped right from the ground. Uh, in Connecticut, uh, one of the things, I know you had a, a doctor, a dentist uh, on most recently, or yeah. very recently. Uh, fluoridation is another issue that comes up periodically. In Connecticut, 
Water utilities are required to add fluoride to the water when you serve a population of 20,000 or more in a water system. Okay. So in our shoreline system, we fluoridate the water. So at our treatment plant and in our groundwater sources, we have fluoride to add to the water. Okay. And some of our other systems that don't meet that population threshold, they do not have fluoride added. Really? Um, so that we also add something to adjust the pH of the water so okay. that it's neutral. Uh, we add chlorine and fluoride if needed, and then we continually test it. We test it during the treatment process. We taste it, uh, test it once it's out in the distribution system, because once it leaves the treatment plant or the well field, it goes into a water main. It may get pumped up to a storage tank. Yep. You get that elevation to help provide the pressure that mm -hmm. customers expect when they open the tap and have water come out. Right. And we have booster stations, pump stations along the way to help push that water, water along further if there's not enough gravity assist there. Oh, cool. Very, very cool. Now let's talk about the importance of investing in drinking water and the infrastructure. Yeah, a, a very timely topic. You don't have to look too far back in the news to the crisis they had in Jackson, Mississippi. That's right. Uh, you know, where floodwaters yeah. affected the drinking water system, basically took it out of commission. And mm -hmm. that, there was a, a pattern of that. That was a system that was in dire need of infrastructure investment. We are committed to making sure that that doesn't happen in our water systems. That's why we do invest $60 million a year, give or take, in our drinking water systems. We prioritize that investment. We have a capital planning council at the company who look and evaluate the different projects that we need to do. Those that have the highest priority to serve customers go rise to the top. Sometimes they're multi-year projects. Right. But it's really looking at what can we do, how can we invest that money so that we are going to be putting infrastructure in place that's not going to serve just customers today, but customers tomorrow and future generations. We talked about those water mains being in place for yeah. 80, 90, 100 years. Exactly. Treatment plants that are going to be in service for 60, 70 years. So making sure that we have that infrastructure in place so that we can reliably serve customers. Because while no one wants to pay higher water bills to fund that infrastructure necessarily, yep. you certainly don't want water to come out of the tap and you want it to be clean and safe when you turn on the tap. Exactly. So that's the, that's the importance of investing. And by investing now, it saves money. In the long run, if you, if you can invest, uh, invest in replacing a water main now, mm -hmm. it's less expensive than two years from now if that main breaks. And you're drink, dog, bringing a crew in uh, on an emergency basis to yep. excavate a road and having an unplanned, unscheduled repair. That's much more expensive than the planned infrastructure. Absolutely, absolutely. And now as far as finan the financial assistance program for customers, what's mm -hmm. that about? Yeah, we're very proud of one of the things that we implemented in, Janu in July of 2021 was we were the first uh, water utility in the state to uh, be authorized by the Connecticut Public Utility Regulatory Authority to offer a water rate assistance program. Okay. And what it basically does, it's if you're an income eligible customer, we take 15% off the basic usage charge and the commodity charge. So that is a 15% reduction in the water bill if you meet those income eligibility guidelines. So that is to help those customers who maybe need a little help paying their water bills. We also have an, a, a partnership with Operation Fuel Okay. Uh, you may be familiar with them on the sure. Eversource bill. Yep. Uh, we also work with them to provide assistance to customers. And we have our own customer assistance program, uh, the deferred payment arrangements, forgiveness programs, depending on the hardship or the condition, that the financial situation that people find themselves in. We can often find ways to help them. But we always encourage customers to call us because that's the only way that we can help them. Absolutely. If they reach out to us, then we can find a way to help them on their bills. If they just don't pay the bill, then it gets into a bad situation right. and it becomes a, 
not the best. And, and one thing I did want to mention, sure, too, thanks yeah, for, yeah. for bringing it up, yeah. is uh, there is a federally funded program that's available on a, we think it's going to be renewed, but we're not sure. Okay. And it's called the, it's called LIWAP. It's the Low Income Household Water Assistance Program. And if you, on the heating side, it's been around for a while, it's called LIHEAP. Okay. Low Income Assistance, uh, Energy Assistance Program. Okay. And what that, uh, there's money set aside and it's administered by the State of Connecticut Department of Social Services. And what they will do is if you are behind on a water or sewer bill and you're income eligible, they will pay the utility on the customer's behalf. Okay. So they will say, you're behind, you're in danger of having your service shut off. We are going to go ahead and pay this bill for you. And we don't determine the eligibility. That's set by the Department of Social Services. All right. All we do is we get the check in and the, uh, the note what account number that number money gets to be applied for. But it is a limited pool of money. So we do encourage any customer who wants to pursue that, they can go to our website. Yeah. And all of our assistance programs, including Operation Fuel and our own internal programs and the Water Rate Assistance Program, are all at ctwater.com slash h2o and there'll be more information on how to apply for those assistance programs. So if people, what types of other information can people on find on ctwater.com? Uh, we have annual water quality reports. Uh, we do 120,000 water quality tests each year, testing for actually 170,000, wow. testing for 100 different, 120 different water quality parameters. And every year under the Safe Drinking Water Act, mm -hmm. we uh, compile an annual water quality report that gets posted to our website where we summarize the entire year's worth of water quality findings. And we, ha we highlight all of the things that are in the water. We have to show that the things that we found and whether that meets the drinking water standards. And drinking water standards are set by the United States Environmental Protection Agency. Okay. And they're also enforced by the Connecticut Department of Public Health. So we work with those two agencies. Sure to make sure that the water is safe to drink and that report will contain all of that information, including some additional information on things that are, you know, topical lead, copper, nitrates in drinking water, some educational language that we put in there to help people be informed about the water they're drinking or potential risks. One of them is to, you know, just be aware of what's going on in the watershed. We right. count on people to, be, to help us out, be our eyes and ears when we're out you know, looking at our reservoirs or if you're out in the in aquifer area, if you see something that doesn't look right, let us know. Exactly. Now, if people are out in the, the aquashed area, what, what can they see? Obviously, water. Yeah, we have watershed inspectors who actually inspect our watershed properties. You may not be a customer, but if you're in a watershed of ours, yeah. and the things they look for, that, you know, they're pro trained professionals to look for it, so a homeowner may not necessarily know what they're looking for <laughs> right? somebody else's property, but they look for unsanitary <laughs> conditions. Is there a failing septic system? Is there chemical storage that is not following best practices? Are there, you know, animals, that the animal waste is not being treated properly. Mm -hmm. Those are all things that our people look for when they're out and about inspecting watersheds to make sure. The idea being that if you start with the cleanest source water, you're gonna get the cleanest tap water at the end of the process. We've got effective treatment systems and effective filtration, but we don't wanna rely just on that. We want that water to be nice and clean when we start, which is why we have a forest management program as well along our watersheds to plant certain types of trees, more evergreens than deciduous trees. Uh, but that's all part of our plan to make sure that the water is as good as it can be. Absolutely. Now, let's talk a little bit about the area of if people, as far as the information on where the water goes from the reservoir down to your, down to your tap to basically make sure it's clean drinking water. Yeah. 
but we test it all along the way. We test it in the reservoir. Yeah. We test it during the treatment processes. It's tested multiple times. And then it's also tested in the distribution system. And some of the testing, like if you're familiar or heard of lead and copper testing, our water uh, it virtually has no lead or copper in it. We don't find that in our tests. Where lead and copper come into water quality is from the customer's homes. Okay. Because that's uh, either it's a copper service line or it's plumbing fixtures that can be a problem. So the testing for that is actually done in the customer's homes. We work with a select group of customers based on the type of housing, the age of the housing, the material of the plumbing in the house, mm -hmm. and we have them collect the water sample. After it's been sitting all night, they run the test. So we even do those, those tests are required by EPA and DPH, and that tests customers right at the customer, tests the water right at the customer's tap. And how often do they test? Uh, we are, once a system is in compliance okay. with the lead and copper rule, then you're required to do those tests, I believe it's every three years. Okay. If the system falls out of compliance, if there is an issue, then the testing gets accelerated and customers are notified. Right. And that's one of the key things that we do is to make sure that if we do have an issue that comes up, we notify customers about them as, in as timely a manner as we can. Oh, absolutely, and that's, that's what you want because you want to get the word out as quickly as you can and as safely as you can. Exactly. And as far as the, let's just go back to the website one more time if people want more information on Connecticut Water Company, where are they going? They're going to www.ctwater.com. The letter C, the letter T. And if everybody can obviously go in, go in and get all the information about paying your bill, about the water company, everything in general. A water quality information, exactly. A bill assistance information, water quality reports, our community outreach activities. Uh, there's a host of material on there, construction projects that oh, are working. <laughs> so if you want to see where we're working in the state of Connecticut, you can see where our projects are. We highlight those as well. Absolutely. Dan Meaning from Connecticut Water, thanks for some time. And Thank you, Pete. We'll see you again soon? Absolutely. Thank you, sir. On behalf of Dan Meaning, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.